welcome back to the One Broke Actress Podcast. I am Sam Valentine, your host. Very happy to be here. I'm so happy that you guys loved last week's episode. We had such a great time interviewing Audrey and I learned a ton and she shared with us some things that I had actually never heard her share before. So if you haven't listened, I don't know why you missed it, but you should go back and listen to it. Also, if you don't follow me on Instagram, um, one, what the fuck? Just kidding. Love you. No, but actually I made a whole video with Audrey of things that weren't on the podcast that were rapid fire questions. And you will see those with every podcast guest this season. So make sure you're following on Instagram so you can get extra content. Guys, I made content just for you. That's right. I get literally nothing out of it except I lose about three hours of my life every day. But it's awesome and I love sharing it with you. So you should enjoy it. Go check it out. Follow One Broke Actress on Instagram. If you haven't noticed, we've kind of done a little bit of rebranding. Um, one Broke Actress, formerly the number one, is moving to one, the word one, O-N-E. It could not be more confusing. But we're changing it up. We're making it simpler. It will be O-N-E across the platforms as soon as we can get Instagram to let me have the word one and not the number. It's a confusing process. I will figure it out. Bear with me. But the website is now onebrokeactress.com. And the podcast is One Broke Actress. Very simple. Yeah. I'm sure you cared about that much as much as I did. So moving right along. Stay tuned, guys, because although this week we have a really awesome guest, he's going to inspire the shit out of you, I got to tell you, you're also going to love next week because we have two intimacy specialists coming on the podcast. So make sure you are subscribed to it so you can get all of the latest. Yeah, something you might not have heard before. Um, Speaking of subscribed... Guys, we are almost at 100 reviews, which is really cool. Only one of them is mine, so there's that. Probably one is my mom's. But I would really like to hit over 100 by the time this podcast airs, this episode. If you guys listened to last week's podcast and I've seen the numbers and I know how many of you have reviewed the podcast versus how many have listened and it's a little wild, please review the podcast, guys. I don't rate and review literally anything. I know I'm that person. I've never put a review on Amazon, like actually ever. I'm actually trying to think of a review I've left on Amazon. I've never left an Amazon review. There you go. But you know what I have left? Podcast reviews because I know how goddamn hard it is to get someone to leave a review. It takes 10 seconds. You can do it on your phone now. You used to have to have a desktop computer, but now it's 2020 and you can do it on your phone. Please review this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please review this podcast. Thank you so much. Also, this podcast is brought to you by We Audition, weaudition.com. Yep, I've been using it. I've been using it at least once a week to go on and practice sides, even if I don't have auditions, especially if I don't have auditions, because then I am interacting with someone who I wouldn't have maybe met before, aka just like an audition room, hint, hint, and I read sides with someone and rehearse, and it's been really spectacular thus far. And you should get on it because maybe I can be a reader. Do you want me to be a reader? You should let me know. Anywho, 
Moving along. All right, guys, let's get into this week's episode. We are talking with Tate Fletcher. Tate is the epitome of what I would think of as a character actor because he has such a specific look. I know you guys are following on my Instagram, so you can see the picture I posted of Tate. If you haven't seen him before, you've probably actually seen him in shows much recently. He talks about his experience on the podcast today about filming the opening sequence of Mandalorian, if you guys are familiar with that little little startup called Disney+. Plus. Um, Tate is a big guy. He started out in a big world of, of wrestling, of sports. He opened a CrossFit gym. He also has a coffee company. Tate is incredible. He's good with stunts. He's good with dialogue. You might have seen him on the season finale or last couple episodes of that little show called Breaking Bad. Um, Tate and I got to work together a little while ago and I am so glad I got to meet him because he's actually kind of a big teddy bear and the amount of quotes we had to pull from in this episode was overwhelming. We could only pick a few to post on Instagram, sadly, but I'll probably be coming back to this often. He's incredibly inspirational and uh, I think you guys are going to really like getting to know him and how he got into acting in general was much later in life than expected and his story is very, very compelling. Uh, He shares with us kind of what it's like to function on his level with his specific casting type, how he is actually at the moment of we recorded the podcast, didn't even have an agent. He's just being called in so consistently from people that he's worked with in the past. And because he is so professional, so good at what he does and fills such a niche role well, not just fills it, but fills it well. I am so glad I got to talk to him on a deeper level in this podcast. And I know you will enjoy it as well. A small note on sound, Uh, this was recorded uh, back at my home, and this was not the recording quality that we have become used to this season, so um, there is a part where my dogs bark, and like my fiance decides to go to the kitchen to make a sandwich, because it's an appropriate time, apparently, so please ignore some of the sound conflicts we have in this one. They're very minor, probably just I noticed them because I paid too much attention, but without further ado, please enjoy Tate Fletcher. Hi, Tate. Hi. How's it going? Good. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for being here. I haven't seen you since we were on set together for Ryan Hansen. That's right. Forever ago. That's when right. You Ross your... and Thurber Marshall. Yeah. My he was hero. on this podcast. Oh, was he yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a cool guy. He's the best. That was the thing. That show that we met on, mm-hmm. it, taught me, um, it taught me about that. Everywhere you are, you're on an audition. And, and, and you know, people often, they... they trip about you know how this is going to play in this audition room and this and that and and what I find is that those audition rooms are their own entity but like when I'm on set or wherever I am it's like I'm in an audition and like that's how I feel whenever I'm on set I'm like I'm auditioning for these producers for these directors for the you know it's everybody it's like it's 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 all it all matters and is that uh, how'd you meet Rawson I met him on a show that I never it was so good I had a had a great little part opposite, um, well, on his show, What We Are the Millers. Um, oh, yeah, And yeah. so We Are the Millers comes out, and I've got this kind of like, a, it's a pretty aggressive scene where I go towards the lead, where there's a, almost a sexual assault, this very creepy part I get to play at the, where they never You're end like up. like a trucker guy Yeah, or they end up right? changing the whole scene, and I'm not in it anymore. Okay. And so that whole scene goes away, this great scene that I have with all the main act. And I'm like, damn it, that was going to be perfect on my reel. This was going to be the thing, da-da-da-da-da. 
And uh, I don't know if it's two years later or something like that, I get an email because I had contacted, first I contacted Ross and I was like, hey man, I know that didn't make it, but I'd love to get the footage if I can just for my reel because it's me and Jennifer Aniston. It'd be awesome. Huge. And, and, uh, and he goes, yeah, I don't know where that is, brother, but I uh, really appreciate your work. So I didn't make it. Thank you. Very kind. And I was like, just that he even responded, I was like a bit honored. And then a couple of years later, I get an email from him again. Hey, I'm doing this little show on this YouTube Red, and if you want to come on and play, and, and I was like that. And so that's what I mean. It's like it's all an audition. It's like yeah. none of that stuff happened, but it didn't mean it's for nothing. And yeah. so the importance of always going out and and trying to do good work and and being uh, you know presenting myself well, it just emboldened all those things. And I go, oh, all this stuff carries. I mean, this is it all matters. And that whole idea about how you do the little things or how you do the big things. And if I can't trust you with the little things, how can I trust you with the big things? And I feel like that's kind of like the universe talking to me and going, if you don't comport yourself very well in these smaller lanes. How, how can we get to bigger lanes, Tate? Yeah. And so I, I really just, uh, everything I've done has kind of heightened me making my awareness and sensitivity towards those things greater, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's kind of the same way that I got to that. I feel like he just called in a bunch of people that he wanted to that's play with so again. Cool. Cause I, so I knew him from uh, the CrossFit gym we used okay. to go to. And then... I, he called me in at, for his, at Brick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He called me in for a role that I was never going to get on Central Intelligence, just to be nice. Yeah. And it ended up going to um, uh, the kid from Breaking Bad. <laughs> like I say, the kid. Uh, and I was like, this is like it completely changed. Aaron, Aaron Paul. Yes, Aaron yeah. Paul's role yeah, in Central yeah, yeah, Intelligence. Yeah. I auditioned for. That's amazing. It was just super fun. And a couple years later, he was like, "Hey, will you read for this?" It just so was fortunate. just nice. You know what I get yeah. to read for? Killers, mercenaries, <laughs> and the robber, I'm the cop. Uh, and it's all great however you get to the party. But just once, I'm like, can I be the science teacher maybe? I, <laughs> Probably not, to be come honest. Come in, I'll be a librarian. I, I, I remember but back I in the day. I want to see that. I want to see you as totally. a librarian. I would also like to see myself as a badass. But most of the time, I'm the victim. <laughs> right, 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 right. We got these For roles. Now. For now. Well, let's talk about, because your, your history getting into this okay. is really cool. So, because you started out in, you went to school for a, as a classic lit major. Wow, you really went deep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I think is really interesting, because I had no idea. Right. I would have never guessed. Right. And then you wound up getting into MMA later on after that. Right. I, everything in my life has kind of been trying to sort out, like, what is this life that I'm in, this weird psychedelic trip of life? Like, there's got to be a purpose, and what's going on here? And there's a lot of misery and sadness, and 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 I see, like, all of that. It's It all just washed on me, and I was like, I might be too sensitive for this whole deal. I don't know. And um, anyway, so the whole thing has been just kind of coursing, how do I get through life, and, and how am I to comport myself when I have a horrible depression and I'm scared of everything and all this kind of thing as a little kid? And, and eventually it's just like you, you should just go towards what your happiness is. And anyways, I, the, the whole thing, as far as film went, the first job I ever got, I was working at a nightclub and I was running a security team there. And I'd already gotten into Brazilian jiu-jitsu a lot. I was super excited about. And, and Master P of No Limit Records is uh, maybe the first real famous rapper that came out. If you know Lil Wayne, it's like, it's like his godfather in this. And... And uh, and he came into my club, and him and his guys, they're like, hey, we need some dudes for this film coming up. And I was like, fantastic. And they got to be big, swole dudes. And so we go out, and I get this job. And 
And it was, uh, oh, it's bad. I can't remember right now. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it um, played for a month. And then, of course, production was like, hey, we'll give you on days that you play with the principal or that you speak or that this or that, we'll give you this rate. And on other days, we'll give you this rate when you're just hanging so you, around. Where were you when this in, happened? In Santa Fe, New Mexico. Okay. And so you had no, you were not affiliated Zero with any affiliation, union or anything. Nothing. And I go, cool story. I'll do that. You're going to give me, you're going to give me, you're going to give me $800 some days. Awesome. I'll work for 60 <laughs> the other days. I don't yeah. care. And, um, and then halfway through that experience, they're like giving me vouchers and this and that. And like they they tapped Hartley me in. I had no idea doing? about any of it. And then they hit me up and they go, no, they owe you this. And then SAG, it's the only time SAG's ever been helpful maybe in the history of the world. They, <laughs> they, they made these guys. Uh, so anyway, I got paid and I was like, God, this is amazing. Never looked at it again. I was like, I got asked to go out to LA with the stunt coordinator actually says, hey man, I get you a bunch of work, talented dude, blah, blah, blah. And I go, man, I'm just a poor kid from Michigan. I'm not going to, th this is ridiculous. I only got to work one job right now in Santa Fe. And I've been doing this competition stuff that I really like. I just started uh, submission wrestling kind of around the world. I'd been uh, in Brazil and Italy and, and, and Florida. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I traveled all over competing and I loved it. And so that's just kind of the beginning of a fight career also. And I thought, I'm just going to do this. I only got to work one job here. Everybody I know in Santa Fe has got to work three jobs and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then I never really looked for anything again. A commercial came up. I did a commercial a couple of years later. And I was like, damn, that I kept getting money in the mailbox after that. And I was like, oh. I ended up getting like $22,000 or something over the course of like three years on joining? a Nissan commercial. And I joined SAC. Okay. Yeah. At first I was a must join. And then, or at first I was a, you know, whatever. There's like three levels, right? You can... You get Taft Hartley, and then you like can work one more time. You're yeah. eligible, and then you ha you're a must join the third mm -hmm. time or something. And so I just waited till then because man, it was going to be fifteen hundred bucks or whatever to join. Oh, there's, there's, by the way, that's right? so cheap now. There's no way that I had. I don't have extra money. Yeah. I'm check to check, and like, and so I had to wait until that next job came. Oh, I got three days together. Cool. I use two of those days. It'll pay for the you know whatever, and then I paid for it. And I never really looked again. I had a whole career, whatever. And then I'm, I, you know, started a jiu-jitsu gym by that time. I was, um, you know, famous in my own right yeah. as far as a fighter in that time. And then uh, this guy comes into my gym and he's coordinating a, a show called Paul, which was uh, Simon Pegg and, and his partner. And they're running an alien through the Southwest in an RV. And, and he says, hey, you want to play on this show? And so it's just one thing after another. And it was right at, towards the end of my fight career, too. And I thought, I got you know, you, you age out of things. And you're like, okay, where's this go? I can do this another five years. But then that puts me five years behind of whatever I'm going to do next. And that's not a good look. And so yeah. I kind of jumped forward. I don't even know. I, I didn't even start jujitsu until I was probably... Maybe I was 37 or 38 years old at that point. You know what I mean? I love this, though, because I, uh, you're from, I'm also from the Midwest, yeah. right? And people assume that what they're doing when they're in their 30s is kind of what they're set to do. There's, yes. there's a mentality, I think, that's bred there that what you're doing like mid-30s on is your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just so not the case. Right. I feel like this, and I train, I, you know, a lot of guys come to me for help or whatever for variant reasons, but... Everybody's worried about making money. And then everybody's got this ego about it. Like, I don't leave the house for less than, or whatever the story is, right? <laughs> like, cool, man. You're not in a rap video right now. Maybe you can be real. Like, 
you know, a lot of people do stuff for fun and for free. And that's how I showed up. I'm just happy to be at the party while I'm gaining skill sets. Right. And I think, I think in response to that is that, you know, the twenties or whatever, first, you don't know who the fuck you are until, you know, unless you got emancipated when you're 12, you don't have to figure it out. And in, in, in your twenties, it's like, you're kind of sharpening the sword. You're looking at creating a skill set is what I mean by that. You're, you're, you're creating a character. Who are you? You're putting yourself in experiences that are hard, difficult, new to you. How do I encourage or how do I, how do I deal with different parts of courage or, or fear or overcoming these obstacles? And you start to find out who you are. Your character is who you are when you're under pressure, you know? And, uh, and so how do you comport yourself under high pressure situations and how did you get skill sets so that you can be useful to your community during those times and think about making your money in your mid thirties or forties, like, because you're worthless to anybody, except you just got a mouthpiece that you're arrogant about saying that you're valuable and you've exhibited zero value in the world. You know, like that's kind of how I look at it. And that's a gross generalization. The guy that owns mm-hmm. Snapchat, he's 23, whatever, whatever, you know? Uh, I mean, I don't have Snapchat. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so then, so you worked on Paul. So I worked on Paul and then I got called again to go to Red Dawn about three mm-hmm. months later. And so I go to Detroit, and uh, that was a great experience. And that's where I met Hemsworth, which was in- interesting because he was a nobody knew who Chris Hemsworth was back then, that's not really. So and um, and that movie didn't get released for like four or five years because they wanted they saw that he got pinned for Thor, and they're like, "Ooh, we can we can really Hold use this, this later." Yeah. And Red Dawn, we don't think is going to be so great, but if Hemsworth's star goes up, then blah blah blah. And so. Uh, and the kind of, that like those guys in those positions are, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful to get, uh, remembered and acknowledged by a guy like Hemsworth. I, I did, I had very little interaction with him on Red Dawn. And then years later, I'm on Thor just working a few days and, um, he comes up to me in line and he's like, Hey, take good. Like sight unseen from the back. I'm like, how in the, wow. it's like a magic trick. Brian Cranston did the same thing to me. I worked with him on this little thing and then I see him on Breaking Bad and he's like, Hey, Tate, great to see you again. I wonder if that show we did is going to come up. I was like, man. And uh, you I will know. say you have a memorable face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so did you consider yourself then a working actor at this point? No. Or did you see yourself as a man who owned a gym, who worked in that world, who just like dabbled in this profession? Right. I had, so I came into into the film world through the back door of the stunt industry because yeah. of my previous uh, skill sets. And that's where I got put to play. But for me to be an ND stunt guy, I mean, for your listeners that don't know, I'm 6'4", 250 pounds, huge beard. You know, I look, I look like I'm a thing. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't blend very well, right? Even if you got five guys in helmets that are all SWAT guys, mm-hmm. it looks like there's a giant and a bunch of little guys. It looks like we're in a different gang, you know? And so... You're a niche role. So I'm a, I'm a guy that has to play a character generally is yeah. where I get put, right? So then I really start taking into acting classes and I start to try to polish that. I'm like, okay, here's a part of your sword that you never polished. Like, let's get this going and see where this can go. And uh, I just started to fit myself to be able to do the job. And I, I knew that I wasn't great, but I'd seen other guys and I go, I'm better than him though. And so I, like, <laughs> I, so I go, I can do this, right? It just gave me confidence because I didn't have any. And, yeah. and why would you? Like I, I knew what risks were and there's consequence to this. And so I just started working hard at that because I'm not never going to be an ND stunt guy. I'm never going to double somebody. I mean, who can I, I can double Momoa. 
Like yeah. it's like there's, and then I was like, fuck that. I want Momo to double me. And then, uh, <laughs> was before he was Aquaman, there was a lot more dreams then. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it's less possible now. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> anyway. And, and so that's kind of where, where I started getting into it. And then, you know, I ended up, where'd you take, where'd you start to take classes from? I started taking them in my hometown. I started taking them where I, where I am, you know? And so, uh, I got with a the theater group there and then there was a, a woman that had had a couple of jobs on, on shows and, and she was running classes and she'd been in a bunch. So I, I took her program. I just, wherever I could, it was better than what I had before. Mm-hmm. And so I just started doing that. Um, you know, and currently I work with uh, about eight other actors at a little small group in town and we just put up pieces uh, you know, we block out a six-hour window of a theater, and we all go in there, and there's there's a leader to our group, but we just kind of go in and, and work things out, and I, I gain a lot in, in, in that area. What's it called? Uh, it's not called anything. It's just you it, guys it's, working. Yeah, it's like a private group of guys That's that I got cool. lucky enough to get called in and, and be a part of, and, and so and I'm always looking for the next thing, like what else can I do, you know, because... Like right now, it's like, how do I fit it in in between projects too? It's not as if I can be in a curriculum uh, for three months. It's like, I'm going to be there for two weeks, then I'm going to be gone three weeks, then I'll be back for a week, and then I'll be gone for four weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of like that is how my life has been. So it's kind of catch as catch can. And then I got the opportunity, you know, as far as, you know, school goes and all that, I think it's great to get as polished as, as I can before I get there. It's not always the the way to do it. And then I got an opportunity to ask like, uh, you know, Chris Pratt, I've gotten to work with a couple of times and then Vincent D'Onofrio, I got to work with, I, I met both of them on Jurassic world. And then Vincent asked me to be, he said, Hey, we've been in this little movie I got called the kid and I want you to play Pratt's brother. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, I, I'm in it for three quarters of a second or something, right? I get beaten to death or killed by my, my son that I've been beaten up is kind of the role, right? That's what that's anyway. And, but I got, I get the opportunity, you know, how, how can I increase this? How can I get more talent? How can I get more attuned to uh, the nuances here? And, and D'Onofrio says, there's not any classes you can take. He says, you get there by being on film on a show and here's the pressure and go. And, and you get to play on film and you get a director that can help you do that. He says, and that's really the best way. And then I go, and I knew Chris pretty well. And I was like, Chris, here's what Vincent just told me. I want him to say, nah, man, that's not right. And he says, yeah, it's like that. And it's kind of like the same bullshit that they say, you know, how do I get into a movie? We got to have a SAG card. How do I get a SAG card? We got to say some words in a movie. Right. <laughs> how do I get in a movie? You got to have a SAG card. Well, how do I get the SAG card? You got to say words in a movie. It's this circle. Like, and it's like, ah. And so I'm like, ooh, another paradox. Great. I love to live in the paradox, you know? And so, that, and, and, that, and that is part of it. And so then I just struggled, you know, how many times can I audition? And what's an audition mean? Every time I'm working on a film, like you see me, I, I was on, um, I don't know, this other Netflix show. I got killed by my friend Keith Jardine on it, which I'm is we, we normally you die a lot. Yeah, I die. I, I'm going to do a T-shirt of all my greatest deaths and who killed. It's going to be like a concert T-shirt. I want that with my death, the movie, <laughs> the star that killed me, and the dates. And we're just going to go down and make the whole back I really T-shirt. Want, like, I really want the West World. And then like, that's the front of the rock. shirt is maybe just me smashing my own head in. Um, yeah. So that 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 becomes you know where I live in that but then I start thinking about that I'm on the show I'm on top of a train with a shotgun and a trench coat and a, you know it's this western and and, I, and there's the director and I was like everybody just sees you how they see you 
and, and it's up to me to show them, are you more than a big muscle bound dude? That's a fucking, that's the heavy. Yeah. And it's like, it's like upon all of us, there's all these obstacles for all of us. If you're a woman, there's a whole different set of obstacles. If you're a man like this, there's a whole, if you're a man like that, there's a whole different, everybody's got their own individualized set of obstacles. And, and this one looking at it, I go, okay, it's not his responsibility to see me. It's my responsibility to show him who I am. And so it just allowed me to get more interactive and demand my space and go, here I am as a human doing this. And, and, uh, and, and here's some other things I'm available for. And then, you know, you get the opportunity to send those guys your reel and this and that. And that, and that all kind of can, can build upon that. And so that's kind of been the course of it for me. And then it changes over time. You got to love it. You know, I'm also a small, small business owner. And, and Yeah, I want to talk about how you every, balance all this. Everybody looks at all that stuff and they say, hey, man, uh, how do I want to, I got a widget. I want to put out in the world. I want to be an entrepreneur. It's like everybody in the world wants to be an entrepreneur and nobody even really understands what that is. And it's not like I have a widget and then I put it out in the world and then it grows. It's like, you better love that thing because the shine is going to wear off of what you're doing and it's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you relationships. It's going to cost you a lot. And nobody looks at cost. Yeah. Everything costs something. And if you're not aware of the cost, you may be surprised later and it can be gutting. And, and I've seen it crush people. And so knowing the cost of these things, I go, I only want to be associated with things that I'm in love with, that I love doing, because otherwise, how am I going to carry it to the finish line? And, and it's my responsibility once I breathe life into something, I don't want to create noise in the system. And so that's the thing. And so I really started looking at like, what's the most love that you have for things and what can grow to the greatest good for those around you? And, and really in, in, in film... It's the same thing I tell guys in life. I got a guy working in our warehouse and he says, hey man, I'd like to make some extra money over the weekend or whatever. You know anybody that's got jobs? I'd love to know. And I go, okay, I'll think about that, but let's talk later because I don't know what to say to you right now. And I come back about an hour later and I go, I think we're asking the wrong question. You're asking how to make more money and you're 19 years old. I think the question is how can you be more useful to your community? Because if you're more useful, you'll be more valuable. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks we got the same value. That's ridiculous. I mean, you can look around. That just The world isn't like that. Whether it should be or this or that, that's a different conversation, and it doesn't matter because it doesn't exist. The thing is, is like I need to become valuable. Am I bilingual? Am I in good enough shape to be topless in a, in a, in a film? Am I all the different assets like what and so i start looking at that and go how do i build myself as a human that's a good citizen in the world and the more i did that the more that speaks to all these other things and i think that should be the goal is like how do i curate myself to become the best man that i can be and 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 thereby most useful to my community like and, and that becomes the same thing in film it's like the more useful I am in, in this, I, oh, you can, you can do the fight scenes also so we can stay on you. I mean, that's a huge thing about John Wick. The reason that's so riveting isn't just because it's 400 murders a second. It's that, <laughs> it, it's that you get to see Keanu, the star, go through it in wide frame and do these movements because he practices, because he does. Same thing with Momoa. Now, you look at other people that do action, and it's like, you know, if we're watching uh, Taken or something. Shit, if you want to see... Liam jump over the fence. You're going to look at his shoes, that hands on the fence. You're going to see 40 different cuts for him yeah. to get over the because he's not going over a fence. And so I'll, I go, oh, okay, cool. Stay moving. Stay. And I, I've just kind of been in that and going, how can I create more use for myself? And it started in the stunt world. Like if you can rig and you can double a guy and you can drive a car and you can repel and you can, you're more, you're infinitely more useful than the guy that can only fight. 
or, yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And so I just look at that. I look at not the external result that I want to get necessarily. I look at the internal work that I can do that can make me a better unit that I can get pl- plugged into different spots. And, yeah. and that's kind of been the course of it for me lately. Was there... Was there a time, so when you came from Santa Fe yeah. to Los Angeles more permanently, because um, you still have the gym there, right? I still have a home there. Uh, I've got a jiu-jitsu gym there. Uh, the, the, the CrossFit gym I sold to a friend of mine, Lorenzo, that's running it. And oh, cool. It's still open because, like I said, I don't want to create noise in the world. And so that became a real thing, too. I had to wait three years. I built a whole team of people, started raising up people in my own community because that, that started because it was something that wasn't there. And I was like, I'd like something where people at least try hard because people aren't trying very hard in a lot of sections of Santa Fe. And it's just kind of set the bar at the floor and everybody can get over. And I didn't really enjoy that very much. I wanted to be challenged. And so mm-hmm. I created a place that was built on challenge. That was a competition, uh, jujitsu gym and a, and a CrossFit gym. And, and, and as I started to work my life to where I was working away from coaching, I didn't want to just leave noise in the system and leave 200 people with nowhere to go. Yeah. And so it's been a real honor that I've been able to transfer that to Lorenzo, and he's been able to keep that going throughout. And, and so that's, that's part of it, too, is, uh, yeah, yeah. So, when, so then when you first came to L.A., like, permanently, then, mm-hmm. like, to have a home here, mm. did you, were you able to, did you already have, like, representation to send you out? Because <laughs> if you look at your, if you look at your, like, career trajectory, it seems like you started working in, just from, like, a paper perspective, right? you look consistently working in really cool projects. Yeah. So, w- was that transition tough for you? Was it easy because you're such a distinct character? Right. It was a surprise to me. Yeah. Um, at first, I wanted to work just in Santa Fe. I mean, I'd like to work where I, where I live, but the guy that really ran all the jobs there, for whatever reason, he wouldn't hire me on anything. Like, I think that maybe some people thought, oh, you're a threat or this or that. I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I didn't work there. And him starving me there, which is what happened, allowed me to get on Breaking Bad because he'd already worked everybody on Breaking Bad and I was one of the only actors that was left that was local that could fill that spot. I mean, the people I was going to get, I knew I was going to get that role. Yeah, because it was the last season. Yeah, and it was the last five episodes. And then I ended up with a SAG award at the SAG, like (laughs) as a stunt guy that's trying to act and I got, I mean, it was amazing. Him trying to starve me put the, him trying to starve me put me to where I had to go outside. I mean, it it was, uh, and I don't know that he's trying to starve me, but like my thing is, is every deficit that I've had every obstacle has been to my best advantage and so I don't try to judge things when I feel like I get hamstrung in the moment because man that might be the greatest asset that's come to me I don't I don't know like you know all my failures look like wins in a certain way and I didn't know that like I didn't know that I was going to have a career that was like oh these are all pretty big movies you're in until I started like I don't know I'm four or five years in the business like legitimately like like maybe it's 2013 and I'm going wow I look at my friend's IMDb and I'm like, I never even heard of some of these movies. And I was like, there's a lot of movies that get made out there that are working people. And I'm like, God, you're a fortunate little bitch, Tate. You know, like that's <laughs> just, you know, and, uh, and, and part of it is, you know, I think I demanded a high standard in myself. Yeah. And so I demand a high standard of behavior around me. And then there's these guys that are, that have high standards that are like, I like the way he walks. Maybe, maybe that's it. I don't, I, I couldn't say, you know? Um, so was it easy to, did that translate to LA pretty well for you? Because no, I mean, it all happened in LA. I was starving the whole time. I was between here and LA and I still am, or between LA and Santa Fe and I still am. 
And, but during that time, I'm a, I'm a broke fighter that never made enough money that I'm going to be able to live on it for a year or something like that's not happening. And then I've got a small business that I put my whole heart into and then I'm keeping open by, because it's hard to start a small business, especially there's only 70,000 people in Santa Fe. So it's not like population density where it's simple. So I'm going and I'm taking bodyguard jobs. So I'm making a grand a day or sometimes more or less, whatever. And, and I'm keeping the doors open at this place with that money. And so, and guys, you want to come in and train jujitsu? I got 30, 40 guys. Hey, man, I just don't have any money. I, these guys are out at the bar every night, but they don't have any money. Man, I just want you to have jujitsu, man. Yeah, come on in. And so I'm like not very good about the commerce part of it. And so, I, like, yeah, I bodyguard. I'm jumping around state to state. I'm doing a bunch of shit that I hate. I mean, I didn't, and that's what it's, dreams are, right? Here's dreams. I got a dream that I want to be a fighter. And so I, uh, I train all the time. The jobs are only certain hours. Well, I can't work in the daytime because that's when guys train. So I have to work you know, at, at a night job. So I work in the nightclub. I don't like working with drunk people. I'm sober a long time. Okay. I, don't, I don't like working in the nightclub, but it's a job I do. I love my boss. I learn a lot of great things there. Um, she was fantastic. Um, and in that... I get to train at the times when the guys are training. And so my whole life has always been set up to my dream. Like whatever your job is, I mean, I get these guys that hit me up. I want to be in the film business. Well, I'm working for UAW now. Tough shit, man. You can't fucking be in Detroit and be in the film. Like that's not happening. Right. And so my, my day job has always been the thing I've been grateful for, even if I don't like doing it, because it allowed me to do the thing that I love. Bodyguarding was like that. Man, you're living somebody else's life for a while, you know, even, I mean, I worked for Joe Rogan for years. He's one of my best friends, really great, lived at his house for a while after the Ultimate Fighter, et cetera, et cetera. You're only going to see the movies he wants to see. You're only going, you're getting up when, you're traveling when, you, like, you don't, yeah. you're not, you don't have any agency in your life. And I just thought, this is not, there's no end in this for me. This is, I gotta, I gotta alter something because I'm not that kind of guy. And, and there's a lot of people that are, and that's great too, whatever. But like, for me, I had to know what my truth was in it. And, um, and so I'm doing all these jobs to be able to pay this and still. And so like as soon as I got done with Breaking Bad, I had some money in the bank. It was the first time I had money in the bank. And I used to run these nightclubs. Well, my buddy also ran nightclubs and now he's in Dallas. And so then I, I, he goes, hey, man, I got to secure this spot. I give him all the money I have in the world to open up this spot in Dallas because I'm just rolling dice, right? And uh, he says, hey, the plan is we'll get all your money back in the first year and then... that." Yeah, we'll see, you know? Like, I've had, I've had a string of bad deals where I've rolled the dice and fuck. But I was like, yeah, I've been broke before. What's going to happen, you know? And that paid back eight times. I, it paid me back 100% within the first. And now there's wow. like 15 clubs between Chicago and Texas that, that are going like 10 years later. And, uh, and that's been pretty phenomenal to be able to be a part of that kind of uh, small group. And then, so it gave me a little bit of like breathing room with the mm -hmm. film business. Because I was like, I don't, it doesn't matter. I don't have to take this or that or whatever. I mean, I still did. I don't think I've ever said no to a job unless I was conflicted somewhere. But um, because for me, like I said, it's all practice. It's like if I'm there, man, I'm in the practice. I, I'm not here like, I got a job. It's like when I get on set, I get to breathe easy because my responsibilities to the gym or to the clubs or to a podcast or to whatever else is going on go away. And all I have to do, you own my time and I get to give you all of my performance. And that's a freedom for me. When I'm not on set, I got a lot of other things I got to do, like get my next job on set and then take care of all these other things <laughs> going on, right? And um, 
and that that became my life then and so I, I haven't really and now you talk about an agency I know I, would, I don't want to go by that everybody's like well what agent do you have this I don't have an agent and 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 I've had agents but I maybe I've gotten three jobs from an agent out of all my jobs and uh, I shake the own my tree I mean I have since I got sponsorships for fighting and it's always been that way man I'm not this is amazing, though. I feel like this is, I don't hear this very often mm. anymore that there's people who don't. I want to dispel agents. this idea that you get the right agency and then it's on and cracking. I mean, I've been on jobs before. You know, I, when I got on, uh, what's the Robert Rodriguez, uh, the vampire um, show, that, like those guys that are the stars that had two credits or three credits. And they're the, the headliners of this show. And I was like, how does that, maybe that's agency. I still don't know how that magic happens because I got 40 times what they've got in bigger shows and these guys, I'm just a stunt guy anyway. So I, I, I kind of start looking at all that. And then, um, you know, my girl, she trains uh, uh, Bryce Howard right now. And, mm -hmm. and Bryce is like, Tate, I get it. My agent doesn't do much either. You know what I mean? It's like at every level. But it's if, nice if, to know though because it feels like when freedom. you're in freedom God, when you're in this like for example i'm at like a co-star level right yep. and it's it's just feels like you're fighting for someone to be your gatekeeper yep. and they they don't care and they're not there and they want it to be easy and if you get on a sitcom and you're making 50 a week cool but while you're making scale or double scale what do they care about an extra 50 bucks here or there for them and and so they're just not working for me in that way but i really love to be able to report to anybody listening that's young and hungry because I used to look at that as an obstacle, or I used to look at like if I had the right headshot, the right headshot will unlock this puzzle. I mean, all my jobs that I've ever gotten have been off my cell phone doing a selfie. Here's what I look like right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like the, I went through a wardrobe changes and all that for this one uh, when I first got headshots, and I'm like, I'm in a suit and tie. And like my friends, like I'm never gonna hire you in a suit and tie, dummy. Keep the wife beater on, you know. And uh, and so it's you know. It, like Let me everything get that librarian role for you. That's right. how you're going to put you in a suit. But everything that I thought was an obstacle wasn't. And so I'm looking, I'm trying to chew down the wrong wall. And so if you if you think that that's the right way to get, you know, I remember I applied to Dragon, I applied to all these places back in the early 2000s. Nobody wanted to see me. And, you know, right now, I don't know, my friend's at Gersh, and he's like, I think they want to look at you. I don't know, maybe. Will that help? I don't know, maybe. You know, maybe they can negotiate better deals because I don't know what all the deals are. Yeah. And I don't know where I have wiggle room and where I don't. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's, a, it's an interesting little hustle out there. But a lot of the things that you think are obstacles aren't, and then things that you might think are unimportant you should pay attention to. Do you think then when you get auditions, mostly if, if you don't, if you're not functioning with agents right now, for example, oh. how is it from people you've worked with yeah. referrals? Is it that basically your mainstay? Yeah. My, my whole thing was early on. Um, like I said, I might not be good, but I'm better than that guy. So I go, you know what? Just, you got to let these people know you're at the party. And so I was in Detroit visiting family and there's a dude in Pittsburgh that's running a show that was a big action, uh, stunt coordinator. I don't have extra money, but I'm going to spend it on a plane ticket to fly to Pittsburgh and then fly back that night to drop a resume and a picture off and shake the guy's hand and say, my name's Tate Fletcher. Uh, if you ever need anything, I'd love, I just wanted to meet you. I heard you were here. What are you doing here? Uh, I just came here to meet you. Well, how long are you here? I get on a plane in two hours. Why'd you come here to meet you? 
Like, and that was my hustle. Like, people are like, oh, I go hard in the paint. Motherfucker, I'm spending money I don't have to go shake a guy's hand that I don't know, right? And that I never worked for still to this day. You know, and that's 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Like, so, like, that's my hustle is like, when they told me, they said, don't quit your day job, Tate, because everybody I know is they're losing houses. Like, it's a hard business. I go, I don't know how else to do it except I throw my hat over the fence and then I got to climb over and get my hat. So I got to commit to this thing and then run after it, man. And so I, I, I'm still trying to get money four different ways, right? Yeah. But I, I'm fully committed into like whatever it takes to, to do my next job to the best degree possible because that is the only resume that matters is that last job that I've done. Now, how do I get those jobs? Is, uh, you know, so then you get a name like, you know, I had to choke slam Megan Fox difficult spot to be in you know <laughs> but what happened on that that was on jonah hex and i was brand new i was new it was just after the red dawn job mm-hmm. and uh my friend uh chris o'hara he calls and he says hey I, lo- I want you to get in front of this director we got this open audition tomorrow night downtown la can you be there and i go what time he goes five o'clock i said yeah i'll be there he goes okay cool he hangs up and then uh i'm in santa fe new mexico when i said yes right Fucking, what time is it at? It's at seven at night. <laughs> I, I, I get my money together. I fly the next morning. I rent a car. I go to fucking downtown LA. I go to the studios. Uh, there's two distinct groups. One is bald-headed groups. There's like 15 or 20 of us. And then there's about 30 of the other guys. And um, and they, they said, all right, all the bald-headed guys come stand up. We're all standing in a circle. The director comes out of the room with my friend. And this is him, this is him, this is Tate. And their eyes just stick on me as they start introducing everybody else. And, and they go, that's the guy. And uh, I'm just bald-headed, clean-shaven, like, uh, like whatever. And I go, cool. And he says, all right, fuck off. And uh, wardrobe will call you. That's how my friend's talking to me, right? <laughs> and um, yeah, you can't be sensitive, man. Have a l- lot succession? of sensitivity out there. Have you seen uh-uh. sort of that's how they talk to each other. It's like, fuck off. Fuck yeah. Off. It's like, it's yeah, the best. You, f- fuck off. We'll get a hold of you. <laughs> and uh, so I, and then I'm driving away and I'm kind of like, I don't even know what to do next. I'm going like, to. Do you my, stay somewhere? Yeah, my friend's got a Section 8 apartment okay. on Vermont. And so I go, and I mean, le- legit blood on the ceiling. Like, it's a trip. Anyway, I, and I go there and I'm just like on the way there. And then I get a call from my friend Darren Prescott that put me in the first films. You know, uh, in Paul and Red Dawn and all that. And he goes, hey, but he's really mellow. Dolphins come up to him in the ocean. Like, he's that kind of guy. <laughs> hey, buddy. Uh, hey, I heard, I heard you got that job. I go, yeah, man, cool. He goes, yeah, you know what's cool, man? He says, we called, we put that out to all our friends. And there's a guy in South Bay. And he's like, man, I don't want to go up there, Chris, because it's all the way in downtown LA and traffic and blah, 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 blah. I go, I go, yeah, traffic is shitty. I get, I'm just listening. I'm like, okay. He goes, you were in New Mexico yesterday. And I go, well, yeah. And, and he's like, and so it's like that kind of thing. Like it didn't dawn on me then, but it does now. And it dawned on Darren and those guys like, this fucker's hungry. He'll do whatever. Yeah. So anyway, the job is I, I go and I block and Megan's going to hit me with a hatchet. I block it and I come under, I spin 180 degrees, grab her under the chin, up off the ground, slam around the deck. And I was like, cool. And I knew her stunk double. And I was like, and she, they go, no, she wants to do it. And I was like, I'm never going to work again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill this Slam motherfucker. Megan Fox. It went great anyway. Okay. And, uh, and I didn't kill her. And, but, that, but, but then it's like he can work with difficult people in close combat. And, you know, I don't know if that spoke to it or not. But then I also had, I think, one of the best fight scenes in film, really, like me and Denzel in Equalizer. And... Uh, 
and then with Ben Affleck again in the accountant. It's like, and those things in those spots where it's like that, it's like those are certain people that get put in those spots because it's it's difficult. There's a lot at stake, and it's it's difficult to you know either make people look athletic that aren't or yeah. whatever all that stuff. Is and, it a has it been a very similar stunt coordinators? No, no, they're all di- it's all different okay. all over. But like people are like, hey, I need big guys that can do this, or I need you know big guys that can act, or any. And so then you know you get a call. But then like this last thing that I did that was so great was I got to work under John Favreau, oh. and uh, for the Mandalorian, which is uh, George Lucas's new. It's about Boba Fett and his backstory, right? That'll be on Disney streaming. And so I get a call to go into this. And I don't know what I'm reading. I, okay, cool. I go in and I read. Wait, so I love specifics. So because you don't have an agent, right. they just call you. Right. I get an email that says, hey, you're going to come in for this. So I have I have an agent that does paperwork, but they don't okay. do sh- And they're back in New Mexico. And, okay. And it's, and it's, it's, you know, there's no good. It's... I don't. Anyway, it's just what it, it's what it is. Here's this, a so. phone number that they can t- call on. That's on, on IMDb. Uh-huh. If not, yeah, they're emailing me before I put her name up there. But um, cool. anyway, so they they call that way, and and the reason I, I didn't know how that came about at first, except what I know now is that the stunt coordinator goes, he gets a referral, he talks to his friends. It's a very small group of. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a the stunt world is a real weird, weird maverick place. It's like, it's just a bunch of dudes that are, there's a bunch of factions. Anyway, it's too much. There's a whole <laughs> no, other okay. thing. We had and, a stunt coordinator on, uh, last season. Yeah. Actually a female stunt coordinator, oh, which cool. is really fun. Yeah. Cool. So anyway, he, he must've, he put my name in. And so there's me and a few guys. I, I knew I'd worked with both guys before. Um, and we go and read for this thing. And then I get an email and they say, Hey, they want you to go to the special effects house in the valley because they want to fit you for the suit because they w- Favreau saw your video and he wants you to do another role. So I got two roles on this Mandalorian that's coming up. What? And so I go get a suit fitted for him, like like and by a suit I mean a, a battle Full suit body. from and and I'm I'm this character of this big infantry dude that is in this deal. But also the the twist on it is also that the other role that I got is I'm. I have, Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> they were so quiet earlier. Three or four pages of dialogue to do in Hutanese. And you're probably not familiar with Hutanese because mm-hmm. it's a made-up language for Star Wars that George Lucas has a linguist on the payroll for the last 20 years who's oh built God. this elfin language or whatever, which is dope. And so I get to deliver all this, and the whole thing is on me. I never had so much attention on film, and I was like... This is insane, right? And then the same thing for my other care. And anyway, a real honor and a privilege just to be at the party, right, in, in this spot. And so um, th- those are the auditions. Is like, can I carry this under this condition? And it's yeah. like, how do I always be ready? How do I always be prepared? I mean, and, and the thing is, is, you know, you come in with a clear mind and, and with as much, much information as you can. But even that, even with all of that, you get thrown, hey, you're up for rehearsal right now, and here's your dialogue that I didn't know we were doing today or whatever, you know? And yeah. it's like, you're here because you're the, and then go memorize it in the 20 minutes it takes for the lights to get set and everybody to do everything, and then go in and bang it. And, and I always say that's what's missing from, like, you can't, 
how you said you can't do that in an acting class. Like right. for, when we were thrown on set together, like, okay, so you're going to come up and you're going to take Sam and you're going to run away. And like, mm-hmm. you're going to throw her in the back of the car and okay, we're going to, and it was like a, a skeleton crew in a parking lot yeah. and we had never met. And now you're going to like duct tape me and carry me away. And it, I was like, I've never done something like this before, but okay, I'm game. Like, let's go. Mm-hmm. And also be in the moment and be like, so that kind of, I just, the, your ability to drop in is like your calling card. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah, the ability to drop in, I never heard it phrased that way. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah it's its its yeah. really impressive. Mm-hmm. Your work ethic is incredible. Just well, hearing thanks. you talk about it, and, and you you know how far you've come, and that's pretty amazing. Some days. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's easier to be proud of yourself. It's really hard, you know? I mean, also, like, like I said, I've had this depression from a long time, and nobody would guess that, right? Never. Because they're like, oh, you know, and but the thing that saves me is contrary action. Really, it's like you feel like this, do this. You, you know, mm. what what what's the panacea for depression? Being helpful to others, and and so all those are just assets in these ways. You know that I can get away from myself, get my. It's like getting myself out of the way enough so that I can perform functionally in the world for the best of everybody, and 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 that's what my intention is. That's what my concern is always, and so that's the way I try to put it out there. You know, it's amazing. How Thanks. do how do you so you have a gym, mm-hmm. you are a successful actor, you're always working on yourself. And so Caveman Coffee. Oh, yeah. and Oh, yeah, that thing. And and you have the Pirate Life Radio. And right. how, is there like a routine that you try to use even though you're moving around a lot? How do you stay focused and also keep all of these things up and running? Because like I knew Caveman Coffee before I knew you. Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy. Yeah. How? That was just something we were into. We are just, we liked coffee. And I went to the CrossFit Games one year, and I go, you can make 100 grand over the weekend with a coffee truck here. Uh-huh. Then I found out all the reasons that it's difficult to do that um, because I <laughs> threw my hat over the fence, and I'm going to start trying, right? And so that was, that was the beginning of it, though. And then we did an event over at Brick, mm-hmm. and then you know, a couple months later. And we, and it, I think I met you there. Maybe so, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then JP started... He goes, I'm going to do this thing in Manhattan, and I want a coffee shop. We didn't have a really even a coffee company then, but he calls, and he's like, you guys want to put in a coffee shop in my gym? And we're like, hell yeah, we do. And so me and Keith and Lacey went to New York and went, and went to set up a coffee shop out there. And then it just got more real. This thing that we liked, people were into, and we're like, now I have to service this thing. And so it's been, you know, five years now or whatever it's been. And, and you know, we were one of the first to market with a cold brew nitro, mm-hmm. uh, but it wasn't shelf sustainable. So it's very difficult. It's hard. You got to keep it refrigerated the whole time. It's cost prohibitive, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then we just stayed, you know, people are like, oh, how's it doing? Is it, su- is it successful? And I go, we're alive, right? And with a startup, that's all you can really say is that we're still alive and, and we're getting better all the time. And so we just came up with a pumpkin spice flavor, a vanilla latte, Ooh. all in a can. And so we have these three skews of these cold brews. Uh, Whole Foods really wants to put us in there. Like, so there's all, all, these, all these things happening, but it's all just learning, right? It's like it's not schooling or anything like that. It's like I got an interest in this and I've, I've got the courage to pay attention to it and and see, see it to fruition, if it, or see where it goes anyway, you know? And, and so we're just in the try, you know? I like to say, I need you to try. Like, because it's so easy to give up in the world. It's so easy to feel the weight on you, and I understand all that. And I understand when somebody checks out. I, I yeah. get all of that. Um, but God damn it, if we could just try a little bit, you know? And it's those little moments when we're not together, uh, where we miss each other. I love that idea that Ram Dass puts forward. We're all just walking each other home. 
and 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 you can be strong when I don't feel I got the strength, and vice versa. And and I, I really feel like this this idea of uh, you know there's a lot of competition. It looks like in this world we're in, there is of course, mm-hmm. um, but that always has made me better, and it, and it makes everybody better. It's just scary, and it feels like there's a failure in it. But like I said, man, I gotta just go. Okay, intellectually, I know all my failures are assets. It's just me trying. Yeah. And if I don't fail, I don't get to see my blind spots. And don't I need to see my blind spots? Don't I want to polish my character in ways that I'm not seeing maybe? And so I need community to reflect that back to me. I need competition to know who I truly am in the world, not this delusional idea that my ego has about who I might be, which is only protecting me from my deficiencies, yeah. right? And so uh, it, for people that actually want to be better, it's like you've got you to beg for criticism in a way and and the world criticizes and so ain't that great but now i gotta go how do i shape my ears so that i can hear that to make me stronger and more utility instead of crushing me right and a lot of that's about the picket fence that i have around me i was just with my good friend logan gelbrich and i just come back i just was on a month in this jamie fox thing in nola and then uh, which i got a fantastic role they sent it back to do reshoots and my role got four times bigger that's which is dope, the dream. right? Also, um, I love New Orleans with my whole heart, so that's... I'm on a, another film earlier this summer, and I, you know, I, 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 I ride this wire, right? There's ratchets and stunts where it's like if you get blown up and you see the bodies blow away, or yeah. a guy gets shot with a shotgun, and, you know, we're on an accelerated wire that pulls us out of the scene at 30 miles an hour. I was on one of those for this, this show this earlier this summer, and like I said, I used to fight, so I got a lot of concussions. I never really, th- I just, you know, whatever. I act as if and I go forward and, and I don't think about damage or I don't think about being remediated in some way. Anyway, I go to this job and, uh, and I get pulled down and back, center picked. I'm, there's no way I'm going to do anything else except go to sleep. And I go back, you know, 30 miles an hour, 15 feet, down and back, straight to my head, and I'm out for five minutes. Oh, my God. And, uh, and it becomes a dark summer after that for me. Um, and so I go to hyperbaric chambers and I, I try to heal this. It's a weird thing to talk about. I'm, this is not the course of this podcast. However, no, no, life no, comes is, up, right? This, this is, is something that this happens. This is real life. And, and a lot of stunt guys, they walk over the bodies, you know, and, and they did it on Expendables too. Uh, you know, poor guy got died. Another guy got blown up. And, and, uh, and a lot of, you know, there, there's a lot of that. Resident Evil. We see uh, uh, my friend Olivia, uh, you know, and she's just started Crew Matters as a hashtag, but she got, you know, they, they said that she's driving a motorcycle at the camera that's on a car that's on a, a arm, mm-hmm. and they're going to pull up at the last minute that she goes underneath it. And the director's like, I want to increase everything 15 miles an hour, and somebody doesn't get told. Anyway, she hits the camera, rips her arm off, rips her face off from her nose, her whole... And so whatever the brain damage is, I mean, they've taken her whole body physically and mentally. It's like, and they say, we got a $30,000 payment on this. And then they disavow responsibility and which is what happens. Nobody wants to get sued into oblivion, but like at the same time, they're like, so these are, these are the things that, you know, and the stunt community doesn't get looked at for any nomination for anything. Makeup people get awards. You know what I mean? I'm in the trailer every movie and I'm not up for an award ever. Like, that seems weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like action is the biggest part of it all. These people are the only people on set that can die, really. And then, like, I mean, that's, they did kill a PA accidentally, too. But 
Um, you know, it's very rare anyway. Well, we, no, you we, get no, the we point, never hear about this. Right? Like, we just, never, it's, a, it's all it's secret. It's kind of swept under the rug, there's, and we don't get to... If there's a turtle tell on... the shiny stories of being on set. Right. We don't get to hear about... So there's all of it, and we're all grateful to be there, and we don't want to speak about it because you don't want to not get called for your next job. Ooh, that dude's fucking shining a light. You know, I'm under a little bit of scrutiny for that, right? But I'm going, hey, man, I hurt myself. All these other concussions come. I'm in hyperbarics 50 times since June. Uh, because Joe Namath did a Joe Namath protocol about treating brain injuries that were latent from football. Mm -hmm. 30 years later, the darkness got so big for him, he had to address it. For me, I'm thinking I'm not going to make it till spring. I'm for sure going to kill myself. The concussion was just like, it just got darker and darker. And I, I get neurogenic tremors and I stutter sometimes. And I go, I'm going to be homeless. And, 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 and none of that. And I said that to a friend. He goes, it just worries me because none of that's true, Tate. Like, you're painting a picture that doesn't exist. Yeah, like your brain took it so far that you believe And he says it really worries me. And, and then, you know, a couple of people talked about that. And, and Lacey had talked to me about that. And, uh, and it came up, Dr. Dan Engel, a friend of mine through, you know, I got these friends. That, my friend owns a company on it. And, he's, and he knows a lot of high-performing people. And this mm -hmm. one psychiatrist, psychiatrist, Dan Engel, he says, I think I can help you. I've got a, a center. And... And so I make the decision, do I, do I go for this month job in NOLA and then just get used to feeling like this becomes my new normal, and which was not good, and, uh, or do I go to this two-week center? So I went to this two-week center, and I go to a brain clinic, and I feel uh, things are turned around in a beautiful way where depression since I was nine years old had left, like things that were not connected in me for a long time through different traumas who got connected it was a miraculous thing and so like the reason i talk about it under what whatever scrutiny it is that i'm under is that like there's a great i'm so glad i got hurt because i never would have addressed all my past hurts had i not right mm -hmm. and in that the stunt community these guys kevin scott and Corey demeyer and elvin singh and these guys they 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 created such a beautiful place for me to land they knew i was in a clinic and that I was coming to this thing. And then in stunt rehearsals, we're doing yoga for 20 minutes to get going every morning. And then, you know, there, I mean, it's just beautiful. It was a beautiful, beautiful experience, man. We'd go, Elvin and I would go and meditate at this uh, tree in Audubon Park every day. And we, I mean, and, and it just became a, a great space for healing for me this last month in NOLA. And then on Sunday night, this last Sunday, I got home at like 10 o'clock at night. Next morning, I got to be out in Chatsworth to get in a van with these guys from Tempest Freerunning that are doing this thing uh, with my friend who on Instagram is called Hope Dealer. Mm. And uh, Jeremy, who is Hope Dealer, has a thing with a United Way anyway, and they sponsored us. So all these freerunners and me and a couple of rappers. It's like a Ragnar run type of thing? We all, we all go up to Stockton, California to talk to throwaway kids. And so there's like two, 3,000 kids there. The whole middle row is looks like ROTC. They're all in they're all in uniforms and shit. And, and I go, what's a, this? R? They go, no, these are kids that got in trouble. And they're on. They live in barracks. They, there's like three or four hundred of them. And then I think all the other kids are just students or whatever. Until I start talking to them later, I'm just in tears all day long. Uh -huh. And these kids, they don't know their families. They all live in group homes. That you know, and I'd already met the leader of their group home. He introduced himself earlier. Anyway. Is really something else to be able to be a part of. And we did free running demonstrations. We got music going the whole time. And I, I talk about my history a little bit. A couple other people do. And we give this presentation a couple times uh, on Tuesday. And then Wednesday I drove home with them. 
And so then the last two days have just been, I've been wiped out. And then this brain injury, I spend the next two days crying. I can't leave the house. It's too sunny out, you know, and I, if it's real sunny, it gets fucked up for me. Wow. So anyway, there's all that, right? But, and so then I met my friend Logan's house earlier today. And I was like, yeah, and I'm just fucking, I got no ambition. And I feel like the, I, I go through all my litany of stuff that's been playing in my head. And he goes, ain't that funny? You just tell me your last six weeks of your life, right? And you're a guy with no ambition, huh? He says, ain't it funny? The stories we tell it. And so what I say is, is, that, is that you just got to pick the people around you, man, that are looking at the truth, that aren't so self-absorbed that they can't see your beauty and your truth, and let them remind you who the fuck you are. And, and that's been the biggest asset, you know, to all of this. You know, uh, you know, loving the people that I'm with and honoring that has been the, the greatest gift, whether it's the film business or whatever business, you know, because my business in life is not the film business. My business in life is to be the best example of Tate Fletcher that I could be so that I could be helpful to people coming behind me. And, and that's, that's my job. I don't have any, uh, any kind of thoughts that are muddy about what my purpose is in this world. And, and so I don't let things get in front of that. And I, and I, and I try to remind myself of that, you know, and, and I don't know where it goes. Yeah. I want to be on a billboard. I want to be on the next, uh, the next Hobbs and Shaw. I want to be in, in, in Dwayne's team, you know, and like, mm -hmm. and like, I don't need, I'm, I'm not ready to be the star of that. Like, I'm not ready. Like, but like, I can be a great support. And so like, I look to that and I go, okay, well maybe look away from stuff. I don't, and I don't begrudge not a knock I took my whole life, but I go, this is maybe a time to pivot. I think life shows you some things sometimes where it says, hey, um, perhaps you ought to look a different direction. And it nudges you a little bit. And then it goes, you know, maybe a year goes by. Hey, maybe you should look into this a little bit. You know, because I've been thinking about stem cells and gut health and all this kind of stuff for a long time. I should get CAT scans in my head, blah, 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 blah. And then I think the gods just look and they go, he's not listening. Maybe we got to disconnect him for four or five minutes and, and let him make an adjustment. And I think that's kind of maybe what happened, you know. I, mean, I don't have any better explanation, but um, I just look at the asset of it all, you know. And, uh, and anyway, it's a divergence from the topic perhaps, but uh, yeah, that's what's going on though. It's amazing. Yeah. I love your honesty. Yeah. Have you always been like this real? Like when, when you were like someone no. who suffers from something like depression, it's very hard to put that out. It's just now becoming okay to talk about. Well, listen, like, folks want to talk about mental illness all the time, right? Which I think is pointless. It sounds like complaining. Unless you got solutions. When I stay in the solutions, man, fuck, that's a powerful place. I don't need to come from a place of impotence about what I don't, unless I don't know. And if I don't know, I should get with people that know. Mm -hmm. But if all I have is complaint to put in the world, how about I fucking pump the brakes on that? You know, that's one of the things that I, I look towards about people that I would want to have around me, let alone my best friends, people I want to have lunch with. Man, if this person just complains, all they have is complaints all the time. I, you don't know how to get around one obstacle and you think a complaint has currency? That's ridiculous. I'm out. I, don't, I can't be around that because my brain is so weak that I'll start to meet you at that level. And I, I don't think that's that you're alone in that because it's very easy, especially for the acting audience, to to vibe against some negativity. Like mm -hmm. everyone wants to come. That's, everybody wants to talk about their haters. Oh, that's why I started this podcast. So uh, one of the many reasons was that people like to, at public, it would be like everything's shiny. Like look at Instagram, like my mm -hmm. onset hashtag blah blah blah. And then you get actors room, they'd be like, man, I'm not going out right now. Man, what's my union doing for me? Blah blah blah. Right. But it's like what you're talking to other people who could help you every time i have a complaint there's a part in me that's unpolished that i could be looking towards but i'm spending my time in the complaint 
It's like, it's like being upset about the president. A lot of people are upset about the president. What's the shittiest thing that's happened because of Donald Trump has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It's all these otherwise nice people that have built a great resentment and are full of hatred right now. That he's robbed people's consciousness and psyches. He's, people have been weak enough and loose enough that, he's let, that, that they've let an infection happen in them and they're going to live with mired in resentment and anger. Well, fuck, man, that doesn't get us anywhere. That just gets us oppositional, and that's not where we need to go. And, and so I look to that. I look to, like, we're going to be in a cooperation. Where can everybody have an opinion, and nobody's necessarily wrong? Like, how, how is this just a perspective issue, you know? Yeah. I thought that when, when you know, any, at any rate, it's like I, I can take care of myself. And if I'm looking to Donald Trump or I'm looking to Putin or I'm looking to whomever to be mad at, that's so far, I don't have any agency in tipping those scales one way or another. Yeah. And while I'm doing that, I'm distracted from polishing my own sword. I'm distracted from the job that I'm to do, which is to make me better. And so I'm just getting worse by hating. It's like you think about it, it just there's there's no value to it. Well, it sounds like by staying in your lane, though, you've been able to accomplish the most and also have an effect on people. Like you've you've probably changed people's lives. You don't even know it. Right. Right. And I, and, and the beautiful thing to remember when I feel, you know, uh, sorry for myself or something is that I got a ton of allies that I've never even met, it's you for know, sure. and, and that's a beautiful thing to remember for me. It's, it's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, I could have this conversation <laughs> with you for a very long time. I think we will. Yeah. <laughs> um, we can do this, this is, again and again, man. I will. I would talk about this anytime. I love your honesty. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Um, if just to, to wrap things up and you've given me so many beautiful pieces of you, you talk very eloquently, classic lit major. (laughs) Um, if there's something you could tell an, an actor who is coming to LA and, or starting in the business or at a level where they just feel stuck or they don't know what to do next, is there a piece of advice that you would share? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing to think about that's important is what, what work it is you're going to endeavor to do right like what's my course of action today whether whatever that is and then the next thing is is to fall in love with that it's like yeah everybody wants to be in whatever spot they look at but maybe you're only going to be in community plays fucking fall in love with that fall in love with that role fall you know i learned this thing digging ditches right i didn't i'm not i don't like digging ditches but it was the only skill set i had for a while and I'm, I'm trying to become an electrician at a certain point in my life, right? I, I, I'd just gotten out of, um, I'd just averted a, a horrible bank robbery charge. I was locked up in Inglewood Federal Penitentiary for a minute. It's a whole other story. Oh my God. Anyway, yeah, you have to come back. Anyway, <laughs> anyway um, and so then I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll be a, a IBEW electrician, you know? And I started taking a course to become a journeyman electrician, which is you're a gopher now and you're going to dig where the conduit goes or whatever. And I'm digging this and, I, and I'm just, it's the first time I'm starting to look into self-development as an important part of my life, as the part of my life that I need to do, right? Um, and so I, I start looking at that really hard in this, I, I, and I get different mentors and I, I start to look at people of value in my life that have been very helpful. And one guy had told me, you know, he says, I was going to speak at this hotel uh, last week and... Um, Ran into a maid in the hall at 7 a.m. And I said, hey, how, how, how's, your, how's your day going to be? And she's like, I don't know, man. It's early in the morning, and I'm just getting started, and it depends on this and that. And, that. and he says, you know, my day is not dependent upon what happens to me. I'm proactive in my day. I already know I'm going to have a great day. 
I've just, I get to decide that. And that concept had never been laid on. I was like, that seems insane. And then he goes, well, what are you doing? I go, I'm digging ditches right now. And he goes, uh, are you happy about it? I go, I'm digging ditches, man. Like I, I thought the answer was obvious. To him, it was not obvious. He says, if you're happy about digging ditches at the end of the day, how do you feel at the end of the day? I go, tired and beat down. He says, but, ha I said, but happy, I guess. That, maybe that's possible. I never considered it. And he said, you're going through the day feeling like this is put upon, you have to do this, da, da, da. He says, you're going to feel one way or the other. You might as well be happy about it, right? And I never, I never thought I had a say. And then I just started get, I started going, fuck, man, I appreciate that I got hands and feet, that I'm, I'm not crippled, that I can do that. Like, and it just, everything started getting, and I started getting happier about digging ditches, which I was reticent to do because I thought if I fall in love with digging ditches, that means I'm a ditch digger. And I don't want to ditch dig forever. Oh, my God, I love this. Yeah. And all I found was that if I learned to fall in love with ditch digging, that that's a transferable skill and that I could learn to fall in love with any part of my life. And that I got to choose the parts of my life. And it's just my agency over my own life got bigger and bigger in that moment. And, I, and, I, and so that's kind of trying, that's how I try to view myself. On my good days, that's where I live, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's a, <laughs> take that, put that one in your pipe and smoke it, kids. Tate, where do you want to direct people to? Um, obviously, oh. social media podcasts, like pimp, pimp yeah. your things out. Cavemancoffee.com. You can find delicious. us on Amazon too, but right now we got a, we're just popping out a, a pumpkin spice uh, latte and a vanilla latte. We already have the best cold brew on the market. And, um, and so that's going on right now. We're just building up, you know, this, this startup that we're into, um, which a guy told me recently he goes, you know, Netflix is a startup. And I was like, they are a startup. I never even thought of it like that before. They're looking to get absorbed by Amazon or by Disney. Um, a Apple, Apple, Amazon, Disney, they're going to change everything in streaming. Like we're going to watch a lot of oh, stuff yeah. go away. I think the next couple months is going to be a wild so anyway, Caveman Start. Coffee is. A, uh, I'd love your support there. Um, Pirate Life Podcast. After I got hurt, it kind of went away, but I'm really eager. I mean, and and this is part of it. You know, like I said, I haven't gotten out of the house, and so even just to be here and to come out and have a purpose, I could cry right now. I thank you so much. Oh my God, this has been cry. such a service to me. <laughs> thank you. Uh, as such a service to me, and 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 a spurring of belief that like, yeah, this is a thing you should go out and, and uh, curate. And so uh, my, my podcast, I've got a, a hundred or a couple hundred episodes on there already that are, are out, but uh, I'm looking to do more of those in the future. Pirate Life Radio is my podcast. And just Tate Fletcher, uh, just my name, T-A-I-T. Uh, I'm easy to find. And, uh, and yeah, that's it. Thanks. Thank you so much <laughs> for your time. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Tate, thank you for being so kind and so open to talk to us in such an honest and incredible way. I find you very inspiring, and I am looking forward to seeing you in so much more in the future. And hey, let's work together again soon, shall we? All right, guys, you know the drill. This podcast is hosted and created by Sam Valentine. That's right, with production help from da -da -da -da, Laurel Canyon Creative, Theme song by Maggie Zabo. And we're sponsored by weaudition.com. We audition. Let's practice self-tapes. Let's practice reading with people. Find a new reader. You could read with someone in another country. How freaking cool is that? You could read with me. You could read with my producer, Cecilia. We're all on We Audition, aren't you? You should be. You should use Broke25 as your code to get $7.50 a month membership. What? So cheap. 
Get on there, guys. Let's rehearse. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. And I will talk to you next week. 